let's, let's look at this familiar portion of Scripture. You could almost quote it, but here's the problem. When I start quoting stuff, I get it wrong. So I'm going to read it, and that way I know I get it right. Matthew chapter 6, After this manner, therefore pray thee, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever looked at the the elements of that prayer and let it guide your own prayer that you come? But there is a phrase in there that caused me to pause for a little bit. It simply says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The longer that I'm alive, the more I, I just have a problem, or, or not a problem, I just I can't take things at just face value. I've got to know the why. I've got to know the what. And when it says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, my mind asks this question, what is his will? That's a huge topic. Go Google it. Gigantic topic. There are sermons, thousands, maybe even millions of sermons have been preached on the will of God. We've talked about the will of God. And while this sermon in no way can be an exhaustive uh, uh, teaching on this, I found some things that will help us be able to pray that prayer a little bit better. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to talk about God's will. Would you bow your heads and would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Father, we thank you for uh, you accepting our worship and allowing us to come into your presence. But now, Lord, we are asking that your word would speak to each and every one that's here today. Would you let the word be alive? Would it, would it, would it teach? Would it speak to our, our mind, our heart, our soul, the, everything about us? And Lord, let us know your will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Some have said, and rightfully so, That part of the prayer of God's will in earth as it is in heaven means that whatever happens in heaven, God desires to do here on earth. And there is some truth to that. This will be another sermon for another place. There's an understanding that worship moves the doorposts of heaven, according to Isaiah chapter 6. And on earth, worship moves the foundations of things. Just go look at Acts 16 and take a gander at what he can do to prison doors. There are some times that you look and say, what does what happens in heaven and how does what happened in heaven affect what's on earth? I'm, I, I'm not going to delve into it, but I think about the book of Job and how the Bible says that God was meeting with the sons of God, angels if you will, and and although Satan is uh, a fallen angel, he's still a angel. And so Job tells us that, that Satan came to the throne room of God, if you will, presented himself, and, and uh, God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan gives a bunch of excuses. Well, you've blessed Job. You've done this. You've done that. And I can't touch him. And he only serves you because he's rich. He only serves you because you've blessed him. And Twice this happens and God basically says, how about I remove my blessing from him for a moment and let you do anything you want to do uh, except you can't kill him. 
And, and so that's where the story of Job goes through. I don't remember who wrote the song. Sister Buford, maybe you can holler it out and let me know. But somebody wrote a song about all my tomorrows must pass before the Lord. Who is it? Sister LaJoyce Martin wrote a song. All my tomorrows must pass before the Lord. And I believe that that is still true in our lives today. And perhaps it is that's a little bit of heaven on earth that God works in on your behalf and he knows where you're at. But as I begin to think, what is the will of God? It's a big subject. Not at all can it be uh, exhausted in just a mere sermon. But I have come up with a few. And if you'll let me preach for just a little bit, I want to tell you some things that God wants to do on earth as he does in heaven. The first is found, and I'm going to read a bunch of scripture today, so get your Bibles, get your pens. These are some great things you need to write down in, in your Bible so you can come and see it later. First off, the will of God is for none to perish. Now I know that some of you, you're, you're, you're students of the word. For some of you, your mind is already turning. You're already looking at verses that you know. This is an easy one. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 9, uh, uh, and, and again I'm reading ESV, what if God, what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared to destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy that he's prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. And then Paul, who knows the word, Paul begins to reach back into the book of Hosea. And he begins to pull and he says, he says in Hosea, those were not my people, I will call my people. And to her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. In the very place where it said unto them, you are not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. In the book of Isaiah, he says, they cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant shall be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And Isaiah predicted if the Lord of hosts had not left his offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Let me tell you what this says. It says that God is going to pour out his wrath on the world. That goes all the way back to, to when they left the garden. It goes all the way back to Noah's time. He gave us promises. I may not destroy it by flood, contrary to Missouri weather. He said, I won't destroy it by flood, but one day I will destroy it by fire. Later on, the New Testament says that the earth has been reserved. It's been held back. The only thing that holds back the wrath of God is simply his will. If he so chose, at this moment, he could open the curtains of heaven and allow the fire and brimstone and everything you read about in his Daniel and Ezekiel and, and, and Thessalonians and, and even a little bit in Matthew and Revelation, everything would be, would, would, would be unleashed. It's simply his will that he holds it back. Not only is it his will that he gives his wrath, but he has endured with patience so that he can show mercy. First, or rather, Second Peter chapter three and verse nine. This is where this is probably where most of you begin to go. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. The English Standard Version says the Lord is not slow 
to fulfill his promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The, the, the King James says his will is he's not willing that any should perish. That's the will of God. Galatians chapter 1 says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age according to the will of our God and Father. If you want the will of, of heaven to be the will of earth, it is this, God is not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance even if it means an incredible amount of patience. If you and I are called, not that you and I can save people. I, I, I'm not about to, to suggest that. None of us are, are saviors or messiahs in our own right. But if you want to do the will of God on earth as the will of God is performed in heaven, then you need to have that same patience that says God is not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance. What can I do to bring someone to repentance? They don't deserve it? Oh, yeah, God, I mean, if, if, if we operated on who deserved it, then we might as well just go chunk ourselves into the pits of hell right now. Because as Brother, Brother uh, Randall Lee told us this, uh, as he opened up the service, it's the, with God's great mercy that he loves us. That's the will of God. The will of God is that none would perish. I don't necessarily have an order of these it's just the order in which I began to study him. The second thing that I found according to the will of God, let's read Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for word. Words And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you've lived for God for any length of time, and especially if you've allowed your walk with God to mature, then you know what I'm talking about when you get to the place where you don't even know how to pray but you enter into a time of prayer and suddenly the Spirit takes over. You may not exactly know how you're praying. You may not know what all's going on, but you realize something deep is moving. Can I tell you, the will of God is that He intercedes when we don't know what to do. So if that's what the Spirit desires to do, then if you want that to be done on earth, you need to get into the presence of God and allow the will of God of heaven to be present in your life on earth. Let's go a little bit further. For we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, and for those that are called according to his purpose. For though for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And to whom he called, he also justified. And to those he justified, he also glorified. What should we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? That chapter begins to wrap up with this. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm persuaded neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation is able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the will of God. And if you want that, you have to learn to pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 gives us another thing, another glimpse, another facet of God's will. Paul says to the Corinthian church, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And so, uh, a little background. Uh, the church of Jerusalem had begun to be in a great time of persecution. Uh, uh, things that you read about in the book of Acts were happening in Jerusalem. And, and, and so the church is greatly being persecuted. And Paul and other apostles and other uh, uh, ones had gone around to different churches that had been started outside of Jerusalem. And they said, you know what? Our brothers at home were in a very tight spot. And they were taking up an offering. Think of the first missions offering. That's kind of what it was. They said, we're going to give for the church in Jerusalem. And he was talking about this church in Macedonia. But then watch what it says. They, this was not as we expected. They were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. Macedonia, we probably should have given to Macedonia, if you will. But the word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I'm preaching to the choir tonight, I know that. But I just want to remind you, it is God's will that we give of ourselves. Uh, when we started our Give to Grow offering four years ago, our building fund offering, this was the part of the passage that I read, but I came across it again. It's underlined, it's highlighted. I hardly have any more room on that page to write anything. But it said this in Exodus chapter 35, that when all of the congregation of the people departed from the presence of Moses, this is after Moses preached what God said, they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, everyone whose spirit moved him, and they brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, for his service and for his holy garments. They came, both men and women. All of those who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. It's the will of God that we give of ourselves and beyond ourselves. That's the will of God. Not only that, the Bible says that it's the will of God. Sorry, I got my papers messed up. Hold on, there we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Now, this is one of those places in the Bible where you ought to underline it, circle it, highlight it, write it on post-it notes, stick it on the mirror so when you're brushing your teeth you have something to look at other than your face and, and, and remember what God has to say. For this is the will of God. That's pretty easy, right? When I read that in the Bible, Brother Don, it makes it real simple. This is the will of God. I don't have to wonder. I'm not trying to exegete out some deep, dark secret uh, in the word of God. Here you go. This is the will of God 
The will of God is your sanctification. The word sanctification is the act of you drawing closer to God, becoming more like Him, looking more like Him, acting like Him. That's what sanctification means. And then it goes on to tell you a few things, and it's pretty deep. It says, so the will of God is your sanctification. That's holiness. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you would know how to control your own body in holiness and in honor, not in the passion of lust like Gentiles who don't know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, for God is an avenger of all things. We've told you before, and we solemnly warned you, God has not called us for impurity, but has called us into holiness. And if any man disregards this, they're not disregarding the word of God said. They're not disregarding man, but they're disregarding God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The will of God is for us to become holy. He said, I be holy for I am holy. Holiness, purity. Purity in actions, purity in talk, purity in conversation, purity in how we behave, purity in our thoughts, holiness in how we live, how we dress, how we are. And just because I can, I'm going to keep reading. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write unto you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And it says, so we urge you brothers to do this more and more. Verse 11. This is an awesome verse that really doesn't have a ton to do with what I'm preaching about tonight. But since it's here, I just wanted to hit on it. To inspire you, this is, this is 1 Thessalonians 4.11. To aspire, not inspire, but to aspire, to reach towards. To live quietly and to mind your own affairs. Man, that's some deep preaching right there. I've got to preach a whole other message. Mind your own affairs. Keep your nose out of everybody else's business. <laughs> and to work with your hands as we have instructed you that you may walk properly before outsiders be dependent on no one. That's the will of God. There's another will of God that I have, uh, I want to bring your attention to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is the end of that letter to the church of Thessalonica. And, and in it, 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 it kind of all runs together. In my mind, it's, it's, it's Paul ending and he's just throwing a bunch of stuff out. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord. Admonish you, esteem them highly in love because of their work. And then here's where I believe... Uh, uh, this is where I believe the will of God starts, especially, in, and you, you'll understand. Be at peace among yourselves. Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Seek always to do good to one another and everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's another one of those places in the Bible where you go ahead and you underline it. So let me help you out. When you start praying the Lord's Prayer, God, let your will in heaven be the will on earth. Be your will in my life 
Well, here's one thing you're going to have to do. You're going to have to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That's the will of God. you begin to read the Bible, you got to be, you got to be willing to uh, follow it all. You can't pick and choose. You know that. And sometimes, have you ever, have you ever said something, or you know, you know, said something to somebody, or uh, we went out to lunch, and I had Zane, I had Matthew, and and uh, Jared, brother Lee was at our table. And um, this may not make any sense to any one of y'all, okay? To, but, but it does to them. But there's memes. You know what memes are? Memes are these pictures, and they have funny sayings. And it has a picture of Liam Nielsen, one of the actors, and he's famous for his uh, a, a movie that, that, that he kind of goes and takes vengeance. And, and on there, it, his famous line is, I know, where you, I, know, I know who you are, I know where you live, and I'm coming after you. And then the next picture, it shows Chuck Norris on the phone. And then the very next thing, Liam Nielsen says, uh, 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 I have the wrong number. I'll let you go. You ever said something and then all of a sudden you kind of got to backtrack because you didn't think it through? The Bible, okay, for those of you that, that, that say get out of, uh, out of that, let's get in the Bible. Here's the Bible. The Bible says don't build, your, don't build your barn before you count your cost. We love to pray. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It flows off the tongue so perfectly. Everything begins to just move. And and it's easy to say. But you better not let the Lord's Prayer become so much rote or memory that you can recite it. You got to think about what you're saying. Thy will be done. What's his will? His will is that none should perish. His will is to make intercession in your life. His will is for you to give. His will is for you to be holy. His will is for you. All those things in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice and, 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 and don't worry what happens. But it goes this way. In 1 John chapter 2 and I want to invite you to stand. This is the Paul Harvey rest of the story, if you will. But John wrote at the end of his life in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life it's not from the Father but it's from the world now that's some pretty good teaching right there John goes on to say and the world is passing away along with its desires but he sums up so perfectly why praying the Lord's prayer is important for whoever does the will of God abides forever. Brother Sorrels, I was, I was reading through that. You know, sometimes when I look at the word abide, you know, you, in my mind, whoever does the will of God lives forever, but in reality, all of us are going to live forever. For eternity, there's going to be people that live in hell, so I mean, they live forever. There's going to be those that live in heaven. 
So whoever does the will of God does not live forever. That's not what this says. Just a few sermons ago, we talked about the word abide. It's a relationship. The greatest punishment of hell is not the fire, it's not the pain, it's not the torment. It's the lack of relationship with our Father. To realize for eternity that you lost it, you missed it, you don't get it. But to do the will, to, to fulfill what he said when he said, let's pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you do the will of God on earth, your reward is abiding, relationship, communion with him forever. Suddenly, the Lord's prayer is more than just a religious mantra. But suddenly it becomes something much deeper. Something that you better think before you speak. Make sure if you say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it means you're willing to do his will or you're willing to let his will be done in you as he wants to in heaven. I wonder if we could close our eyes for a moment. I realize that teaching of this understanding it's not necessarily going to lend itself to a deep dark altar call but it does cause you to have to think and examine and as they sing right now I invite you to examine your heart look back through some of those wills of God that he would like to do are you willing to let him act are you willing to move and, and let him move in your life right now Jesus. I'm not afraid.